Good morning, church. Uh, as Tom mentioned, my name is Robin. And along with my wife, Sadli, and boys, Jonathan and Jason, we've been part of this wonderful church family for the past 15 years. Today, we are going to look at a, a very well-known character in the Bible, uh, Zacchaeus. If there were tabloids and newspapers at the time of Jesus, these would probably be some of the headlines that would come across these tabloids. I first met Zacchaeus through a song and I don't know if there's any Sunday school anywhere in the world that has not sung the Zacchaeus song. The words of which go, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And when the Saviour passed that way, he looked up in the tree and said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, but a happy man was he, for he had seen the Lord that day. And a happy man was he, and a very happy man was he. Listening to the song, you could be forgiven for thinking that Zacchaeus' biggest problem was that he was little. And after that encounter with Jesus, he moved from being a little man to a happy little man. Thankfully, Luke's Gospel chapter 19 has recorded that encounter that Zacchaeus had with Jesus. If you could turn your Bibles to Luke, Chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up onto a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in, in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods, I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to the house, to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Let's start with some background that is helpful in understanding Zacchaeus' story. Timeline wise, Jesus is on his last journey to Jerusalem, where in a few days he will be welcomed with palm leaves, have a Passover meal with his disciples, be betrayed, tried and crucified. The Jews hated tax collectors for two reasons. The tax collectors worked for the Romans, who were the occupying power in Israel at that time. They collected taxes from the people and gave it to the Romans and hence were considered as traitors. 
The second reason tax collectors were hated was they were not paid a wage. They were expected to give Rome a fixed amount, but they were free to collect taxes from people as they saw fit. Such a system was open to exploitation and tax collectors became very rich at the expense of those they collected taxes from. There were three main tax centers for customs and tolls, Capernaum, Judea, and Jericho. Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector of Jericho. Zacchaeus and the other tax collectors really knew what social distancing meant. Jews did not want to associate themselves with tax collectors. They never invited or went to their homes and they were not welcome in the temples and they were given the title sinner. However, the biblical view on tax and tax collectors is different. When Jesus was questioned on paying taxes to Caesar, Jesus said, Pay, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Jesus paid the census tax or the temple tax. Uh, in Paul, uh, Paul urges the church in Romans chapter 13, pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. When tax collectors asked John the Baptist what they should do as part of their repentance, John replied, collect no more than what you are authorized to do. I want to look at the specifics of Zacchaeus' story, but also generalize it as representative of many who become followers of Jesus. Luke does not tell us why Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. Perhaps he heard about Matthew, the tax collector from Capernaum, whom Jesus called and who had started following Jesus. Or he heard about the many occasions when Jesus visited the homes of tax collectors. Or it was the many miracles that Jesus did. Perhaps even the miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead, which happened in Bethany, just a few miles away from Jericho. But I suspect it was probably the radical teaching of Jesus that attracted him. Perhaps he heard his neighbor, Thomas, Thomas Crivens, talk about how Jesus said, you cannot serve God and money. Or the shepherd, Morris Nightingale, talk about episiosis of being lost, 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 and being found, found, found by God. Or it was the fisherman Timothy Virgo who spoke about how Jesus restored even lepers who were considered outcasts at that time. In the Gospels, there are many passages that talk about the people being amazed and astonished. And they usually are amazed and astonished with Jesus' teachings, his wisdom, how he authoritatively spoke about the human condition his gracious words, and his many miracles. Something about Jesus made Zacchaeus curious enough to seek him.
But it isn't easy for someone like Zacchaeus to come to Jesus. Firstly, there was his physical stature. Luke tells us that he was a short man. There would be crowds of people at this time because of the Passover and there would be multitudes of people around Jesus and he had to go through all of them to see Jesus. Secondly, there was his social standing. He knew that as a tax collector, he would be unwelcomed by devout Jews heading to Jerusalem for Passover. And he wasn't wrong. He was duly reminded and Jesus is duly informed of the sinner status of Zacchaeus. As chief tax collector, being found with or associated with Jesus would also cross repercussions in the tax fraternity. He could almost hear them say, what's worse than a tax collector? A tax collector with conscience. As chief tax collector, he would also have been a busy man. And this was a particular, particularly busy period with people and goods passing through Jericho. He could hear the loud voice clearly tell him that he could see Jesus another time, perhaps on his return journey. In his book, Screwtape Letters, C.S. Lewis recounts a senior demon mentoring a junior tempter and he tells of this story. I once had a patient, a very sound atheist, who used to love reading and visiting museums. One day, a line of thought crossed his mind regarding the fate of his soul. At once, I saw God, our enemy, come to his side and begin whispering in his ear. Believe when I tell you that I saw my work of 20 years begin to crumble. I did not panic, but attacked where the patient would be at his weakest. I asked him to delay any hasty decisions until after he had a proper meal. The enemy quickly counter-suggested that issues related to eternity should not be put off to a better time, to which I retorted that precisely because of the importance of the decision, it was not recommendable to tackle the issue with an empty stomach. Better come back after a hearty lunch and a fresher mind. Once he made up his mind about waiting, the battle was won. He stepped into the street and into a newsstand where he purchased the day's newspaper and I injected him with a dose of the real life and of what is really important. That patient is now safe. Zacchaeus most likely had to fight a similar battle. But there was an even greater hurdle in Zacchaeus's life, his riches. Nick Oldfield spoke last week about the rich young man and how his attitude to wealth caused him to go away sad after an encounter with Jesus. As mentioned earlier, riches or wealth can easily become one's God, one's master. Paul wants Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Those who want to be rich, however, fall into temptation and become ensnared by many foolish 
and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Zacchaeus's love for money had already fractured his relationship with fellow Jews and could have easily become a stumbling block in coming to Jesus. Of course, Zacchaeus is not the only one who had these hurdles to cross, these battles to fight. Jesus spoke about the parable of the sower to the people. And in explaining the parable, he mentions some of the things that choke God's word and hinders true salvation. Jesus spoke about the evil one, the devil or Satan, taking away God's word and keeping it from being effective. Jesus told about how persecutions, troubles and testing keep some people away. He also spoke about the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the pleasures of this life as some of the things that stop us from coming to Christ and knowing true salvation. Zacchaeus overcame these hurdles. He took a risk. He stepped out. He ran ahead. He climbed a tree, all hoping to catch a glimpse of Jesus. Jesus, on the other hand, knew exactly where he would find Zacchaeus. Since the time of the fall in the garden, God has been seeking. God went out looking for Adam and Eve as they hid behind trees. In verse 10 of the passage we read, Jesus makes it clear again, as if the episiosis was not clear enough, that he had come to seek and save the lost. Jesus calls out Zacchaeus' name, asks him to come down immediately, and says that he must stay at his house today. There is urgency in Jesus' tone, and it's a divine imperative. The self-righteous crowd mumble about Jesus going to, the, to a sinner's house. But the way Zacchaeus responds to the situation shows that he is a changed man. First, the Bible records that he came down immediately and received Jesus gladly and joyfully. Second, he does not try to address or convince the crowd. He does not try to cover or justify his sin. Thirdly, he addresses Jesus not by his name, not as rabbi, not as teacher, but as Lord, showing that he had accepted the Lordship of Jesus. Fourthly, he shows that the money which had such a hold on his life was no longer his master. He gives away 50% of his possessions to the poor. And in paying back people for what he had cheated them of, he goes beyond and above what the law demanded. In Leviticus chapter 5 verses 1 to 6, the law said that you had to pay back what you cheated plus 20% as interest. Zacchaeus gives what he cheated plus 300%. His actions made it clear that he was now only serving one God. That encounter with Jesus marked the start of a new life for Zacchaeus. The moment Jesus stopped and called out his name Zacchaeus 
by the way, which means pure, and invited himself over to Zacchaeus's house. Zacchaeus knew that he was fully known and fully loved by Jesus. Staying at his home, which would have included sharing a meal, was an act of fellowship. But it wasn't a fellowship that just lasted one day. Jesus had promised, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Jesus declares that Zacchaeus was a child of Abraham and Paul teaches us in Galatians that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Abraham was justified by faith and those who share his faith are sons and daughters of Abraham. Jesus also declares that salvation had come to the house of Zacchaeus. Those who put their faith in Jesus are saved from the penalty of sin, are being saved from the power of sin in this life and will be saved in eternity from the presence of sin. As believers, our greatest joy should be that we are fully known and fully loved by him, that our names are written in heaven and that we will live in his presence forever. I wonder where we are in our walk today. Are we curious about Jesus who performed miracles, spoke with authority, forgave sinners, and offered eternal life to all who would accept him. Are the hurdles of life keeping us from coming to Jesus? Have we accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior? And as believers, are we rejoicing daily that our names are written in heaven and we will spend eternity with him? I would like to finish by reading the words of the hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus written by Helen Lemel. O soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look and the Saviour, and life more abundant and free. Through death into life everlasting, he passed, and we follow him there. Over us, sin no more had dominion, for more than conquerors we are. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. His word shall not fail you, he promised. Believe him and all will be well. Then go to a world that is dying, his perfect salvation to tell. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. God bless.